Hiya, uh, Evan here. Just wanted to um, throw a couple things out there real quick before I get into the interview with um, current Reno assistant coach and former Sacramento Republic assistant coach um, and 2014 USL championship winner, uh, Chris Melanib. One, uh, thanks for listening uh, throughout this whole year. I hope you had a, um, a Merry Christmas, a, a festive rest of your holidays. Um, and I hope that you guys have a good new year. Um, we'll be recording again tomorrow night, so I'll probably say that again. But if you don't hear that or you're not around until the new year, you don't get around to those episodes. Happy holidays. Um, also wanted to thank our wonderful sponsors, Roughneck Scarves and uh, the Beautiful Game Network of Podcasts for having us throughout the year and, and growing with us in that year. Um, and uh, just, you know, to anyone who's listened and provided advice and feedback and all that fun stuff, um, definitely a huge thank you for everyone uh, for that. Um, I guess I'll plug that if you'd like to give us feedback, you can do that um, at the USL Show on Twitter. Um, or uh, what is it? The USL Show at gmail.com is also a thing that we have. Um, I know that one doesn't get used a whole lot, but if you'd like to send us an email, feel free to do that. Other than that, enjoy the interview with Chris. It's a really good one. It's kind of off the walls. It's really crazy, and that's kind of how I like it. So, um, once again, happy holidays. Enjoy the interview, and we'll uh, we'll talk to you guys soon. And if not, then in the new year. Take care, Chris. Man, how's how's it going? Things are good, man. Things are good. Uh, just kind of enjoying the off season. You know, it's a it's a, it's a long one, but <laughs> I'm excited to get started. Well, as as so, uh, I I should have given you a more proper introduction. I apologize. Current assistant for Reno and former assistant coach for Sacramento Republic. Uh, a part of your 2014 USL champions, Chris Mellon. Yeah. Yeah. I was, uh, I was fortunate to be part of that group that actually started looking for players before we had a team sheet. So it was a, it's a very special place. Um, Sacramento was there for four years and then obviously time to, time to move on and couldn't ask for, for a better, um, opportunity and environment in Reno. And, and unlike a lot of people, it seems in USL back and forth year to year, you stayed in the same conference. So congratulations on that. Um, you won't have to completely learn all the new people. Um, unlike our dear friends in St. Louis, who I do not envy at all. Uh, what yeah. is it, like four years worth of four changes or something in conference, something ridiculous like that? Anyway. Yeah. I, well, I hope that like a East and West conference wouldn't affect a California team or a Nevada team. That's very unless true. they found a way to go north and south and cut the country in half um, that way. That That would make it really interesting, though. That would, that would. I, I think we should, we should petition that maybe for next year just to see what would happen. Yeah, like Fresno. Fresno yeah. is like the line, right? It's like <laughs> we create, we, we created our own equator yeah. in the United States. I like it. I like it. And then you'd have, you'd have a, a, a literal promotion and relegation line. Yeah, correct. Where you have teams go up to above Fresno or below, uh, below Fresno. Um, yeah. I don't know what that says about Fresno. <laughs> it's kind of the middle. You do a straight line from what Fresno to maybe Bethlehem, and then everything north of that line would be the North Conference, and then everything okay. south, South Conference. <laughs> oh man, there's a. I don't think that's quite balanced, uh, but that's that's fine. That's fine. Yeah, whatever. Um, <laughs> so before we talk about what I actually want to get to talk about, which is uh, your, I guess, shared enthusiasm and fun sports conspiracies. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is a show about the United Soccer League, and I, I figure since you coach in that in part, we should maybe talk about that just to cover our bases more than anything else. Um, you were a bit of a of a maverick, I suppose, in the uh, the video department uh, for USL. <laughs> 
Um, would you mind talking about maybe how that came up and, and what exactly you found a need for and, and kind of exploited? Well, it's actually uh, the video side of it. I actually started using the program I currently use. I don't want to say it because no, otherwise cool. then teams I, are just going to copy this, you know. Right, and, yeah. You know, and, um, but the program I've been using, I, I started using back in um, when I was an assistant coach at Cal State Stanislaw. Mm. Um, the funny thing is, is that I really didn't have any interest in in video. I mean, I watched video, but never really had interest in breaking it down and tagging it and, and doing what I do now until the head coach came in with the computer and goes, I can't figure this out. This is your new job. You figure it out. And he threw the computer at me. Okay. And so I was like, all right, turn it on and call the company and figure out what's next. <laughs> And so, I, yeah, I've been doing it since 2009. And then when, when Precky um, was our head coach, he was kind of doing it old school of like fast forward, pause, all right, write down the timestamp. And I was like, hey, Precky, we have another way of doing this. And so I was just clipping the segments he wanted. And then so it was quicker. It was shorter. The meetings were shorter and, and more precise. And then when Paul Buckle uh, came in, he actually wanted to use video a little bit more and so rather than having me on the bench with four other coaches, I was up top um, and my computer was tied into what we call computer one or a camera one that picked up about two thirds of the field at any given time. And so I was actually live tagging, meaning I was coding sequences or plays, set pieces, attacking shape, defensive shape, whatever we wanted to focus in on or what we had focused in on during the training session. And I would deliver like two minutes of information to the rest of the coaching staff and a couple of players at halftime using real video. Oh, wow. Yeah. So very similar to, I guess, like in the American football where you have like the offensive and defensive coordinators that are looking for schemes up top. It, we kind of did the same thing. Um, and in fact, the first time we did it, we had some radios and we we're testing those out. And I was actually radioing down to the bench, um, you know, with systems that they were running or guys that were running with with corner pieces or, or set pieces so that we can make sure our marks were correct um, in real time. Mm. Um, and then in Reno um, at home games, because we obviously control the, the, our environment at home, right. um, rather than being on the bench for the first half next to Ian, I'm actually up top doing the same thing. And then the second half, then, then I go down onto the field. Yeah, no, and, it, and it's really interesting because I think a lot of people know that, that you know, American football has been doing that for forever, right, with the, the X's and O's and the, and the radio signals and things like that. But as far as um, at least American soccer goes, because I can't really speak to Europe in terms of what those guys do, I imagine they, they have this. But it's, it's a pretty new, um, I don't know, idea, I guess, or, or, or philosophy. Um has there been other teams that have kind of sniffed around to what you guys are doing and, and implemented that or something like it? And then was there anybody that you kind of had to sell yourself to with, with a lot of those changes over at Sacramento or even, even with Reno? Or I, I mean, I guess them bringing you in, they kind of knew what you were, you were doing and wanted to, to do that. But was there any kind of, you know, negative feedback for, for you? No, there, there really wasn't. And in, Sacramento with, with the change, I think it was, um, I, I think that the change actually kind of helped it because, um, what the video, real video did was allowed Paul to learn the league a little quicker, um, and see it immediately. Um, obviously Precky had been in the, you know, around the MLS right. 
for quite some time. And so he kind of knew the players, kind of knew the league um, to some extent. So um, he was more old school with his video. Hmm. But with Paul coming in, it was his first stint on the pro side in, in the United States. So the the more info we could provide, then the better it was. And so that was, I, I think it was a huge, huge help as far as getting him you know, um, acclimated to the league as quickly as possible, especially during a mid-season um, coaching change. It, is is there a part of you that looks at USL, and I mean, we could talk about growth for, for hours, I imagine, just in terms of the way things were and, and the way they are now, um, and point to, you know, any any number of things and go, oh, you know, it's, it's, it's night and day, right? But is there any part of you that sees guys like, you know, um, the younger Tony Pulis and, and, you know, most recently Jim McGinnis and, um, uh, you know, John Harks and, and some other guys, just like the, the level of coaches and maybe the, the different styles of coaches, you know, with, with McGinnis coming in from the Gaelic um, football league and things like that. And, and you just kind of get blown away a little bit in terms of like, wow, that guy is, you know, around USL and wants to coach in USL. No, I'm actually not surprised. Um, I think, for me, I was fortunate enough to come in with, with Preki and, you know, someone that played on the national team scored probably one of the, in my opinion, one of the greatest goals in U.S. history right. in that, the Gold Cup against Brazil. Right. Um, you know, proving himself in the MLS. And so, um, as a coach and as a player, I think it's, it's no surprise, um, that guys are wanting to come in. Um, you know, even, even some of the former players looking to make the jump into the coaching side. You know, even in Reno, we got Ian Russell that, um, that they're looking at, at this as, as, a, as an opportunity mm. to, you know, really stamp themselves in the American game. And I think that's, I, I think that's, that's going to be the trend. You're going to see more and more coaches doing that. Um, coaches from overseas looking at this as an opportunity, um, especially looking at the growth of whether it's the USL, um, championship, League One, um, or League Two, you know, there's obviously, um, opportunities there. And then, with the expansion teams coming into the MLS, I think some of these coaches are also looking for that for that opportunity. Going, hey, if I'm at least in the system, right, I'm gonna I'm gonna have a better chance, you know. So I, I think I, to me, it's not a surprise. I think it's a I think it's something that should have been expected, um, and and will continue to to go. And I think maybe bigger names may even come into the league as as coaches. Right. And um, the the other big change that I, I think, I, I think a lot of people um, can even see just with the eye test if they've been following the league for two or three years it's just the quality of play has yeah. gone up immensely um, is there is there anybody I guess in the Western Conference um, that you don't think gets enough attention and then conversely is there anybody out in the East where you um you know, thank whatever deity you happen to believe in that you don't have to see every year. Um, yeah, honestly, like Red Bulls, uh, they always find a way to, to do well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, obviously, Louisville's a good side. Um, you know, I don't know if it's so much like there's teams I, I wouldn't want to see. I mean, obviously, you'd love to see those teams in the final and you right. still got to take business. Yeah. I, I, I just think it's a, it's a different style yes. of soccer. And so, um, you know, obviously, if if I was on a coaching staff or a head coach or an assistant coach in the East, I would create a different roster than than what we've had or what I've been around mm. in in the Western Conference. And so, 
Um, it's it's kind of hard to say, you know, teams that I wouldn't want to to face off against. Um, sure. You know, like when when the playoffs started, we we talked about, oh, it'd be great to go up against FC Cincinnati. Mm. The mere fact of it would be great to play in front of thirty thousand people. You right. know, so right. so there's 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 those types of other things that we look at as, you know, it's a great opportunity for our players and and things like that. And it's not so much that we we're afraid of anyone. It's just it's it's a different. Even though we're in the same league, it's a different style. Yes. And so, I think there's there's teams that, um, like I said, if if we were in the Eastern Conference, it'd be a different roster. And I think you kind of see like I think a good example is St. Louis, the players that they brought in this year that were returning from last year. You know, obviously they were in the East last year, and um, they they obviously brought in a lot of players. But I think honestly, I think their their style is going to be very very much more suitable to, to the Eastern conference right. with, with kind of the physical play. And, um, you know, it's not like one is better than the other. It's just different. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. um, and then kind of going to your question on the, on, on the West coast side, um, what was it more te- or teams that don't necessarily get recognized or teams, teams that teams or, or individual players? I don't know. You know, I mean, if there's teams that you don't think get enough love, go for it. But I mean, it's, it's always interesting to me where, um, media guys will, will have people, you know, like Aiden Quinn or um, Antoine Oppenau or, or some guys where we're like, you know, they do everything for their clubs. And it doesn't seem like a lot of people know that, you know, they do as much as they do for one reason or another. Um, you know, is there individual players or if there's not, are there teams out in the West where you're like, you know, those guys were a lot better this year than, than the results or I guess last year now than, uh, than the results showed? Well, I, I honestly think that um, one of the expansion teams actually had some some decent players, um, and obviously we we just made the announcement of signing one of them. Um, I thought Las Vegas had some had some decent players, but you know their their record didn't necessarily show for it. But if you watch individually, I think they had some very good players on that team, and um, and that's why we went after um, Raul. Um, he's a guy that I, that I've been following ever since his uh, Los Dos days. And so, and, and that's the other team too is Los Dos. I, I think you look at a lot of the young parts, yeah. you know, and and that's that's the hard part too is that because you do have a lot of these direct affiliates, mm-hmm. these second, what I would call true second teams, um, you know, Sounders two, Timbers two, Monarchs, um, Galaxy, mm-hmm. you know, even though, yeah, I mean, I mean, even though that Reno's an affiliate to San Jose, it's a little different because we're not playing necessarily in the same stadium or just right outside of the first team stadium mm. um, or shared market with the first team. So I think record wise, it's, uh, it's deceiving the, the quality of the players because they're, they're, they're actually looking at like those doses trying to get 16, 17, 18 year olds some time right. rather right. than focusing on the win. And, you know, same thing with Sounders too. Yep. Um, you know, I believe at one point, I, I want to say it was like, it's maybe Sacramento that, the average age of, of the players on Sounders two that they'd started was like 18 and a half years old yeah, or something oh, yeah. like that. So, um, so you're seeing that and, and a lot of people don't have time to watch, you know, every single game, 32 right. games right. For, for 34 games for, for each team or whatever. And so yeah. um, they'll look up the, the big matchups or the, the, you know, the, the Derby games, you know, the yep. Reno versus Vegas or, you know, maybe LAOC or Sacramento LA, you know, those types of games. And so um, I think some of the, the other games, maybe like a Sounders two versus galaxy two will be overseen because record wise, neither one of them had a really stellar record. 
Sure, sure. Yeah, no, that's that's a fair shot. I mean, the the East is the same way where it blows my mind. Um, and and they're a bad example only because they've been so successful in terms of you know not only making it to the playoffs, but making it deep into the playoffs. But I mean, Red Bull too are able to rotate pretty much their entire roster every year yeah. and and still you know consistently perform as well as they have um and put out guys for the first team which is you know more important than winning yeah i, I mean i think a, a, i think a perfect example is, is aaron long obviously mm-hmm. um you know four years ago no one knew who aaron long was right. like who is this guy and then suddenly he's you know i remember him um back during the sacramento when i was in sacramento the first year we actually were we had two affiliates the san jose earthquakes and the portland timbers mm-hmm. and he came down from portland for that year and then the following season he only came down for for a couple games or so but then the following season is with sounders too and then makes his way to to red bulls and then eventually obviously to, to the first team there and now he's on the national team right, so right. i think i think there's there's a lot of those kind of hidden gems or you know that uh that tyler adams kid is <laughs> yeah you know he's decent yeah uh, i think he's okay, right he's, yeah, he's all, yeah uh um, Derek Etienne point, jr is yeah I think at one point Whitecaps two had this kid. I think his name is Alfonso Davies. Oh yeah, he was all right. Uh, uh, Jeremy yeah, Abbasi might have played for Timbers too. He's eh, Efren yeah. Alvarez is okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's there's a couple couple players that I, I think were okay, you know, yeah. and um, so no, there's 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 a lot of those hidden gems. I right. think that if people actually looked at who was on the field and. And watch the games, not just the statistics. Yes. yes. Um, you know, I think that's that's starting to grow, just kind of as a culture in the United States, is that um, we're just we went from just looking at stats into watching games, and, and people are going, hey, "Hey, this kid's really good," you know, or right. "This kid might be someone." Well, and, uh, and part of it is is like that that weird, I don't know, braggadocious or kind of selfish, where you're like, "Yo, I saw him before everyone else like caught on." Yeah, you know, or it's like, yeah, oh, oh, you just found out who you know Tyler Adams was. I saw him, in, you know, with ten other people at Red Bull Arena or whatever. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you know, it's like this weird point of pride where it's like, no, no, no I, it's like uh, how people treat indie bands, where it's like, no, I saw them before they sold out or whatever. Yeah, before they totally, sold out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally the same thing. Uh, oh man. Um, yeah. I do always feel bad when I start like, yeah, oh, oh, Jeremy Ababisa, he's okay, um, or, or whatever, you know, like, oh, yeah. So would you say, would you say Alfonso Davies sold out, <laughs> <laughs> leaving the USL I, going to Germany? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, you know, uh, listen, if he actually cared about the fans of the Vancouver Whitecaps, he would have stayed there. And it's not like he knows as a professional athlete, he has a limited shelf life and is only going to get to do that like once in his life. So he's got to do it. Yeah, I mean, if he was true to to the passion, he would have actually just stayed through, and then he would have been on loan to Fresno, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's why all these podcasts come out on vinyl. It's the best. Uh, <laughs> it's the best clarity. <laughs> oh man, we're gonna get three people asking for that. No, it's gonna suck. Yeah. Um, oh man, I'm glad we actually talk soccer because now I get to move into something. I don't get to do this enough. I'm not a huge basketball fan, admittedly, but I love all of these basketball conspiracy theories. And, and I like baseball ones too. Baseball's got good. some good ones. Yeah. Uh, the, the, well, the basketball ones that I love, that I think you have a shared enjoyment in, the one that I know is the, the Michael Jordan only retired because he had gambling debt one, which is great. Yeah. And then my other two were the Sacramento Kings got screwed by the NBA. I'm sure you have personal ties to this, but the Sacramento Kings got yeah, screwed. Yeah, 
because of of the the ratings bump that the Lakers would have given the NBA. And then my third favorite, which I imagine you also share, is the frozen envelope. The frozen envelope, Patrick Ewing. Yeah. 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 I was actually just talking to a friend about that last night. Oh, this is great. I, where <laughs> where would you like to start, sir? The floor is yours. Um, the Michael Jordan one. I think that one to me is... I like that one because it's really obscure, and it's going to be like super in vogue now because sports betting is, is slowly becoming a thing. Yeah. I, I mean, to me, the biggest thing out of that, people are going to be like, well, he didn't... He, he thought that, you know, there wasn't big enough challenge, and, right. and I get that, you oh, know. I, I'm sorry, should we backtrack? Because I'm sure some people are going to be like, what What are they? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Where's this conversation start? <laughs> right, right, yeah, yeah. The, uh, the theory, uh, the only reason, well, the, the big reason that Michael Jordan retired from professional basketball the first time in, what, 1993? Yeah, I, I believe it was 93. It was like six weeks after they, or like four weeks after they won the championship. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the, the real reason he retired and not the, Oh, you know, I, I'm a little bored. Uh, the reason that he gave more or less was because he had uh, large amounts of, of gambling debt, um, and was offered, uh, you know, to have that wiped out if he played some minor league baseball. Yeah. And because there was an investigation that was going on and suddenly he retires, you know, in four weeks and they're like, Oh, we found nothing. Um, <laughs> wrong with what he did. In fact, everything was was in the up and up, including that fifty six thousand dollar check he wrote to like some drug dealer for right. money. Which Did we mention we're all wearing Jordans right now with our suits? It's, <laughs> it's important to mention that they're lovely shoes. Yeah, I mean, they, they, he makes he makes good stuff, you know. But uh, but then he also had like he won like nine hundred thousand dollars like playing golf or something, and yeah, then yeah. he was also seen in Atlantic City during. I want to say like one during one of those Eastern conference finals, like placing bets, like in the early mornings, like after the game, like the night, like the day of the game or something like that. And the big one to me is that when, during that press conference was when he said, maybe I might come back in four or five years. If David Stern lets me. So to me, yeah, yeah, yeah. And like the biggest thing is that no member of the media asked specifically <laughs> like what? about David Stern. Why do you need David Stern to let you back into the league? Yeah. So yeah. I think him and David Stern had a little thing. Hey, look, you have a global brand that we need in the NBA. Yes. Um, and we want to be able to say, okay, look, he wins three championships and walks off in the sunset hmm. and then now he's gonna go play baseball for what the barons yeah, um, yeah the chicago white Sox. Uh, yeah uh, single or double a yeah and where he hits like two home runs two smashing home runs and has like a batting average of like 200 percent or 200 or whatever um and then suddenly it's like two years you know was it two years three years what was it it was just a couple years, right? And then 93 came back in like 95. Right, right. So two seasons, right? Yeah. He comes back wearing the 45 jersey and yep. suddenly it's like he's back. And no one even thought about like, hey, what happened to the gambling stuff that apparently was like in the up and up? Everyone's right, like, right. oh, I just got to go get my new 45 jersey. Um, yep. And then he wins three championships, you know? So yep. I, I don't think I, I don't think he did it because he wanted a different challenge. I mean, I think, I think there was something going on and they're like, we need your brand. We need Michael Jordan 
and we can't have that tarnished because it's going to tarnish the NBA. Um, so let's uh, let's find a happy um, medium, and you know we'll we'll brush it away as long as you go away for a couple of years, and then we'll come and then you come back, and everything's all good. So I, I that's why I think it's it was a suspension that wasn't announced as a suspension, right. but rather than hey look here's a distraction, Michael Jordan's going to play baseball for another Chicago team or a Chicago affiliate. Um, and it's all good. And then he comes back and now he's the hero again for the NBA. Yeah. Um, the other one, 2002, uh, game six. Sacramento Games? Kings, Los Angeles Lakers. Which, by the way, had it has to be like one of the longest fourth quarters in NBA history. Oh, yeah. There was like, I don't know, three million free throws um, by the Lakers. Uh, or something like that. So, um, but that that one is is kind of interesting because I remember watching that game because um, I was I was in Sacramento and and at that time Sacramento the Kings were fun to watch, you know. And, right. Yeah. Well, and that's that's the weird thing for uh, a lot of people like now or that don't follow baseball and they'll be like, aren't the Kings awful? And like, yeah, they are. Um, but like they weren't. And. <laughs> The the theory goes, which it's probably right, that if if this series would have gone differently, they would probably not be as terrible as they are now, um, or at least it would have been a lot harder for them to be terrible. Well, I mean they're they're, they're actually decent this year, but um, that's fair. But but anyways, I think with that, I mean you look at it from a from a marketing standpoint, from a and you always you always know that the league every league is. Is, is a business, right? Whether it's the NFL, um, you know, NBA or, or Major League Baseball. And they want the biggest markets. Um, so LA is obviously a big market. Um, you know, and but the big, the big, um, what's his name? Donahue, um, the referee came out and said that referees were putting money on the games. <laughs> and though he didn't work that game, he knew that game was being bet on by, by a few referees. So if referees are betting on games, it's easy for them to um, to pull the strings. That being, hey, every time someone touches anyone in the Lakers, oh, they were in the shoot. They were they were shooting for sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they're hitting free throws. Yeah. Um, the, uh, the good news is because uh, I think last year or uh, yeah, a year and a half ago, Chris Weber was was talking about it on TNT or something and. And he thought that Tim Donahue actually was the ref for that game, which he was not. Uh, so at least there was like that, where it's like, all right, like that guy who was like admittedly, you know, uh, came out in, in a court filing in like 2006 and said that all this stuff was rigged because he was betting on it. Like, at least he wasn't there. But yeah, I mean, like you said, like, oh, you know, Tim wants us to, to maybe call some fouls uh, against Sacramento. We should think about doing that for a friend. You know, <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, who knows? Like, you know, slipping some cash under the table. I mean, right. yeah. I'm sure that happens all the time. You know, where imagine obviously like the three referees that are part of that game aren't going to be, or hopefully they aren't stupid enough to actually go to the books and go, these are the bets I want to make. You right, know? right. It'd be somebody else. I mean, but I mean, it it happens in in you know you hear about it in like the stock markets, inside trading, and things like that. Why wouldn't it happen in in professional sports? You know, yeah, in the NBA where where there's millions of dollars being circulated anyways. Yep. That's right, everybody. All of your favorite USL players are secretly betting all the time. <laughs> no, I didn't say that. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I, it's complete, it's complete sarcasm for sure. That's, uh, that, that's a tumor. <laughs> uh, 
Um, no, it's it's my favorite. I, I love to um, see how far I can make jokes. No, with the full knowledge that the league listens to this, and and um, I'm just waiting for my phone call from from Ryan Madden or someone just to be like, hey man, it's a little it's a little much. Can you? Yeah. Hasn't happened yet. So like, we're gonna find out, baby. Um, no, I, I honestly I I feel like if you were placing uh bets in usl uh and you played a no one would know who you were to be like you shouldn't be placing those bets well you don't and think B, you don't think didier Drago went to the sports book they wouldn't know okay who- are, uh, okay are, <laughs> sorry there's like three people where it's like drogba neil collins and and i, I don't know like i feel like jo- everyone's gonna like know who john wolniak is weirdly so like probably wally yeah He's just got the look. Um, and then, and then the other thing is like, if you're putting that much money on USL games, like Pony will just find out about it, and then he'll he'll rat you out. Yeah. Because like it's just you and him at that point putting bets on USL. So, you know, really easy paper trail to leave there, everybody. So no, before anybody asked, I don't know anything. No one's betting on this. Good lord, I, you know I. I I'm a bit of a master of deadpan, being from the Northeast and all, so I, I apologize. But I, no one's betting on USL games that should not be betting on USL games, unless, I mean, you know, unless you want to make the argument that no one should be betting on any games, then everyone that bets on them shouldn't be making them. Yeah. yeah. I mean, um, and then my favorite, my favorite conspiracy theory is the 1985 uh, NBA draft. Or the lottery. The lottery. The lottery. Yeah, yeah, yeah the lottery. Yeah. Uh, the backstory on this one. Then Commissioner David Stern rigged the lottery so that the New York Knicks would get the first pick, which would have been uh, Georgetown Hoya standout Patrick Ewing. Yeah, uh, because was... why would why would the NBA want him to go uh, to the Sacramento Kings to who are the other teams in that um, like the Sonics, right? I think we're the one of the. There's like six teams that could have gotten the first number one pick, right? and obviously yeah, they're going to uh, Georgetown. You know, big profile name. Of course, he's gonna. The league wants him to play Medicine Square Garden. You know. Right. Right. Yeah, it, it, it's so good because like the frozen envelope is just such a slick like for 1985. Like that's really good. Yeah, that, that's that's really smart, right? I mean, just to be like, yeah, yeah, it'll look exactly the same, but it's colder, so I'll know what to. Yeah, it was like the Pacers, the Clippers, the Supersonics, and the Hawks were like the top five picks. Yeah. So you know, they gave me an idea, like. I'm gonna do that for like my family white elephant. I'm gonna freeze the. the <laughs> I'm gonna freeze like. The last <laughs> so I get the last uh, number. That's so good. Yeah, yeah, I, I believe it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I honestly, I'm surprised that more people haven't tried doing. You know, like just put it in the freezer for like two minutes and then pop it out. You'll be fine. Yeah. Oh man. How funny would that be though? It was like if there was like. Um, ice like <laughs> if it was like dripping like if it was like uh, if it was like liquid nitrogen or like dry ice or something yeah. so you could like s- physically see that it was yeah that'd be really good um no yeah, I, that's a, that's coming to a champions league draw near you <laughs> yeah <laughs> they're like putting like gloves like why does why does group a have just a lot of smoke coming out of it is that a new effect <laughs> yeah group of death oh there it is yeah, it's yeah, the one yeah, smoking yeah yeah imagine um no, I think I think that one to me makes a lot of sense because of the the fact that the the NBA wouldn't they wouldn't um, benefit. And I think the honestly, I think the lottery could be the biggest one that is probably most controlled by the NBA. 
Um, you know, what... out of out of all of these, I will I will put forward my my personal opinion. I think this one could very much be real because a it's really easy to do, and b it's so easy to just be like, what are you talking? No. Yeah. <laughs> uh, crazy why would we do that and it's time after time right like um teams that you know lebron suddenly goes i'm taking my my talents to south beach and then yeah. oh the Cavs suddenly get like two first round picks in the next three seasons right like yeah, yeah. oh and they get Kyrie. <laughs> right yeah yeah right like how does that work out right oh you know like yeah the same thing i think there was i Honestly, like, I think the Kobe Bryant thing, like, I think the NBA was like, oh, man, we screwed up. Um, we're going to make a trade. We're going to trade Vlade Divac from right. the L.A. Lakers to the Charlotte Hornets for the rights to Kobe Bryant so Kobe could end up in the, you know, bigger market. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah Which yeah. a lot of people forget, by the way. They, they forget that, actually, Kobe was drafted by the Charlotte Hornets. That's true. Yeah. Lower Marion. Lower Marion High School. There you go. Local local boy there. Yeah. To, to me, at least, not to the whole show. That'd be weird. Uh, Chris, this has been a whirlwind and a half. Yeah. Can, oh, can I throw in my, my one baseball? Um, Please, throw in anything you want so, at this point. I'm, so, I'm here for it. So the biggest conspiracy in baseball, I, obviously there's the the Black Sox one scandal, right? Yes. The, everyone knows that. That one's too. But this is like modern era. Yeah, modern era. So you're talking do you remember when Cal Ripken was going for the Iron Man record? I do. Oh no, I do. Yeah. Okay. What what happened? So you remember that movie, The Natural? Yes. Who was in The Natural? Uh, was it not? Uh, was it not Kevin Costner? Kevin Costner. So Kevin Costner was actually he had um, Cal Ripken Jr. as his hitting coach for that movie. Right? So he would go he would go to Cal, Cal Ripken's house and hit balls and learn how to swing a ball, or swing a bat. Well, during this streak, Cal Ripken Jr. found out that his wife and Kevin Costner were having an affair. So he was delayed to go to the game. And suddenly that night, the lights in Baltimore weren't turning on. Oh, no. So they postponed the game. And it happened to be the same night that Carrington Jr. was not going to be able to get to the game. And it would have broke the I, streak. I, I misspoke. I apologize. It was Robert Redford. Or was it – well, no, what was the other um, baseball movie? Not The Natural. Um, but there was another movie where Kevin Costner was in it. Um, Please hold. Yeah, he's old. Whatever. Uh, yeah. Consulting but, the, the tribunal right now. Yeah, but I know he he had an affair. Like one of those things, he had an affair with um with Carrick Jr.'s wife. Mm. So. That's exciting. Yeah. That's, that's – huh. So the lights suddenly that's didn't work. There you go. Street continues. Oh man! <laughs> oh, that's I. I really hope that's not Field of Dreams, eh? Field of Dreams. That's what it was. There you go. Field of Dreams. That's just because I know Kevin Costner. Sorry, Kevin Rob, as I call them. Listen to the show, so I had to. I had to clear that one up uh, real quick. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> More lies. <laughs> um. Chris is uh, other than than I run way too much for I, I I appreciate that about you. Um, a lot of coaches will bang on about oh you know we want our guys to be physically fit and we want them to run a lot. Um, and you look at some of them I won't name names. I was going to when I was in the shower this morning thinking about things to ask you, um, and I had a couple of guys pop up but I'll I'll save it. And you look at coaches and you're like they, they don't run. 
Yeah. But you, you sir, you do run. Yeah, I run. <laughs> and I like that you put your money where your where your whistle is. I suppose. Yeah, I, I do like to run. I think it's 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 fun. What is it? Something stupid like twenty marathons? Um, well, I've, no, it's it's actually thirty one. Uh, I'm so sorry. Thirty one marathons. It was twenty marathons. So I, I just finished. Or not finished, but I'm on this running streak. And I just celebrated six years on the 10th, so a couple of days ago, um, where I've run at least a mile every day for six years. And during that, during the last six years, I've run 20 marathons. <laughs> That's good. That's good. That is, um, I'll say on behalf of, um, I don't actually talk for other teams or other people, but I will certainly talk for other members of the media in USL because I, I feel like I know most of them. I think that is more miles, or more, it's definitely more marathons than any of us have ever run. Um, but I think that's more miles than 90% of us have, have run uh, in the last six years, easily. It's like, I did my math, because I did a post on, on Instagram. Um, yeah, obviously a slight sh- shameless plug on uh, on my own social media. Yeah, dude, go. <laughs> um, at Chris Malinab. Um, <laughs> there you go. Um, it's like 16,900 miles or something like that over the last six years is what I've run. That's insane. Yeah. Two thirds of the equator covered. <laughs> Good. Chris, this has been, I don't want to say like the most unprofessional coach interview I've given. Um, but I feel like we're, we're, we're close now. Like we're really good friends. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's what I like to do with podcasts. I had another Great. podcast interview where, um, I flipped it and I asked the guy cause we were outside and I was like, Hey, do you believe in chemtrails? Cause there was a plane flying over and. Oh. <laughs> oh man, after my own heart. All right. <laughs> and so the conversation went from like, um, like game day routines to chemtrails. <laughs> oh no. Well, um, I'm glad I knew what I was getting into, I guess. Yeah. Man. That's good. Um, Please feel free to selfishly plug the rest of your social media if if you have them and or your current employer's social media or or what have you. Yeah, um, we got Reno1868 on Twitter and on Instagram. And then my personal ones are at Chris Malinab on Twitter and also on on Instagram. So, um, yeah, I like to – during the season, I like to tweet about soccer, but I also like to tweet about just off-the-wall stuff. what we like about you. Off season, it's just completely off the rails. It's off the rails, man. Yeah. It's really good. <laughs> yeah, John, I. Because, like, I, you know, I'll get thrown in the threads of, from the show account uh, a good bit of the time um, as the de facto leader, I guess. I don't know. But, um, yeah, when I when I saw John added me, I was like, all right, what's this? And I was like, oh, we're talking about chemtrails. That's a conversation <laughs> I don't want to have today. And then I was like, oh, it's an assistant coach for Rio. Right on. All right. Yeah. Um, one thing led to another. Kyle Kepner gave me a nudge and said, you should probably talk to this guy. He's a, he's a good bit of fun and um, didn't disappoint. So, Chris, I, I appreciate you coming on, man. Yeah. I mean, if there's any, any you know, as we get towards the NBA playoffs and conspiracies, possibly, <laughs> I, I mean, we could always do another recap. Of, yeah, uh, yeah, we could do an off-modern-day uh, podcast between two guys that are in, you know, <laughs> heavily involved in soccer. It'll be great. People understand it. Um, yeah. So. Brother, I uh, I appreciate it, man. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks um, for best of luck to you guys fun. this season for sure. Yeah, yeah, no, um, this is fun, and and obviously I wish you guys the best of luck, and you know get that 1,000 listeners to 2,000, and let's see if we can plug you guys to get to a million, man. Great, I will take that as an open invitation to talk to anybody <laughs> in Reno. Um, 
And if anyone says otherwise, well, Chris said I can do it. So that's great. <laughs> um, yeah, man, listen, really appreciate it. And, uh, and, and thanks for taking time to chat with me. Yeah, thank you.